0: Talking Movies, we're talking for a fistful of dollars, written by Adriano Balenci, directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood, Marianne Koch, Gian Maria Volonté. So Chris, you see, I understand that you're just playing around, but the mule, he doesn't get it. Of course, if you apologize.
1: <laughs> I thought you might do that quote, but mine is, get three coffins ready. Bang, 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 bang. My mistake. Make it four comments. Adios, amigo. All right, today on How'd You Like That Movie? We're talking about the 1964 Spaghetti Western A Fistful of Dollars by the acclaimed Italian director Sergio Leone and starring Clint Eastwood. Leone is known for probably producing the quintessential Spaghetti Western in A Fistful of Dollars. Uh, He also then went on to do the entire trilogy, which is Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and of course The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The other trilogy, which is a little less known, is the Once Upon Trilogy, which is Once Upon a Time in the West, Duck You Sucker, and Once, a time, Once Upon a Time in America. So, Scott, first off, are you a Western guy?
0: Yes, I do like Westerns. Growing up in the late 80s and 90s, especially with my grandfather that lived with us at the time, he loved Westerns. So, especially, I saw all these old ones, but for me, like, I loved Kung Fu. The movie with Mm -hmm. David Carradine, Brandon Lee, Tombstone, Quigley Down Under, and Young Guns, one and two. And it's so interesting, like, revisiting this movie, because I haven't seen it since watching it with him back in the day, and that was like 30 years ago. So, seeing now how this was deemed so violent (laughs) as a Western... I enjoyed it. And I'm assuming you love Westerns because you're on this little hitch.
1: Uh, I'm actually, so I'm not a huge Western guy. And this is going to sound super cliche, but it's actually because I'm such a Quentin Tarantino fan. And I've been going back and, you know, basically learning my film history that I've slowly started to get in touch with these like original films, like these spaghetti Westerns and stuff like that um you know obviously like i knew clint eastwood i would say that you know my favorite western would be unforgiven right it's super gritty it's clint eastwood doing his thing um you know people get murdered and the whole prostitute thing gene hackman like it's it's (laughs) the whole prostitute thing thing. (laughs) but you forget that like the reason clint eastwood is like the man who does country or sorry uh does western films is because of these roles like he was on Rawhide, and then this role. So the man he plays, obviously the the man with no name, and it was they couldn't get Henry Henry Fonda because they didn't have the budget. Charles Bronson, like literally like Death Wish guy, was like the script's not good enough. Interesting side note: Leone then eventually worked with both Bronson and Henry Fonda on Once in Time, Once Upon a Time in the West. So he did get to work with these actors, but they both said no. And so Clint was working on Rawhide. So it was a TV show at the time. And his co-star, Eric Fleming, also turned down the road. Uh, sorry, sorry, turned down the role. And he kind of took like a stab at this because he wanted the, to get out of being like kind of the white hat cowboy and be a bit of an anti-hero. And like the fact that we know Clint Eastwood today is probably most definitely because he took this role and then became, he became the man with no name into in the other uh two films and then you know the rest is history
0: yeah and i think in terms of like history and stuff it, it's weird to see like how many parts are made make a, an actor based off somebody else what do you mean refusing it like will smith with the matrix right goes to keanu oh yeah yeah, yeah. Where they've got that
1: list yeah and you're like you see the film that got made but then you're like, could you imagine Leonardo DiCaprio, for example, um, uh, what's it called? With Christian Bale, uh, American Psycho. Mm-hmm. That, for a while, was Leonardo DiCaprio was in that role. But you can't imagine anyone other than Christian exactly, Bale being in that right? role.
0: Like, like, it's just one of those things where, you know, where whether it's Kesmet, whether it's meant to be, but these people just engulf. Like, they get this opportunity and then they just become these iconic characters, right?
1: 100 and especially that 100% applies when you think of like like Clint Eastwood. Yes. Like that, you know, uh acting through his teeth, which he actually got criticized for in his early acting career like this guy's horrible, but now the way he speaks right through his mouth like that, that's definitive Clint Eastwood. That's what you hire him for, you know what I mean? <laughs> True. Well, it's been a while since I've seen him.
0: Not behind, like I've just seen the stuff he's directed recently. I've, yeah, but often he'll
1: do both too, right? Like he'll uh, be in front of the camera and behind the camera. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure he directed the Mule, did he not? I, I haven't watched that one yet, though. It's not yeah, bad. I think it's that bad. was
0: the last one. Yeah, that he's actually starred in because it's been what Richard Jewell,
1: right? Yeah, that
0: was his l- latest one that he directed.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's but, the one about the bombing or whatever, yeah. right? So this is, this is what I thought. So when I was doing all my like background research for this and running some numbers and stuff. So he takes this role and he gets paid $15,000 for 11 weeks worth. Okay, so that works out to be at about $127,000 for the 11 weeks of work. That's not bad, right? Or roughly around the same time or within a year or so, because Rawhide was ending as well, he was making $119,000 an episode for Rawhide. So basically, um, so he was making a million dollars, an episode for Rawhide. And instead he got paid 127,000. Oh, and they threw in a Mercedes at the completion of the project. So for him, it was actually like a big step down pay wise, but he saw it for the opportunity that it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like I was telling you before, I, I was watching this um, documentary
0: on Clint Eastwood uh, before coming here quickly. And they were talking about this. And he was talking about how he wanted the opportunity and stuff like that. But he was also saying like when he got there. Obviously he went to Italy to film. And Sergio Leone. The only English word he knew how to say was goodbye. And the only uh, Italian word <laughs> Clint Eastwood knew how to say was arrivederci. Hilarious. <laughs> he was like that's where they ended. And then there's the... Uh, the scene as well where when you're quoted of the movie when he goes and shoots the four guys and you actually see it over Eastwood's shoulder doing the pa-pa-pa. That was the first time it was ever filmed like that. Because in America, they only did the gunshot cut to the guy who was getting shot just falling and then cut back to the gun. Really? And that was the first time. That's why it's considered violent because you actually saw the gun going off pointed at the person getting shot.
1: That's crazy because now, because again, obviously I just rewatched the film a couple times to get ready. That's no, they, no wonder there's so much of that in the film, right? Like bang, 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 bang. And you see those shots, you see the, the guns going off and you see people like dying and falling down and falling off horses and stuff. Yeah, and you can see why it would be like considered super violent for its time, right? Yeah. Um so did you notice anything about the dubbing? Well, it's a little off. So, do you know why? No. Okay. And I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to manage to like actually put some Tarantino in this. But can this. can I take a guess before? Sure, sure, sure. I'm guessing
0: all the Italian actors said their lines in Italian. Clint was the only one in English,
1: and then they just all dubbed it. Yeah, basically, basically it was all done in post-production. Okay. And, and also because you would have to change, because this was like an, an Italian, Spanish, and West German production, so you're going to want to have German, you're going to want to have Italian, you want to have a, a English. So yeah, you just did your lines in whatever you were most comfortable in, and then they just went in and dubbed it all after. And they just didn't really care about doing a super good job. And they actually make reference to this in Quentin Tarantino's 2019 film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I mean, the amount of like homages that you're seeing to these old directors, like the fact that it's like Once Upon a Time, it could be like because it's a storybook or is it like he loves Sergio Leone. So it's Once Upon a Time. Anyway, so... This is a spoiler. I mean, if you haven't seen the new Tarantino film, this is just going to be a quote, so don't worry about it. Um, there's a scene where Kurt Russell is narrating uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's actor character, Rick Dalton, who's going off to Italy. He, sorry, actually, he's gone off to Italy to basically do kind of what Clint Eastwood does, to, but except to revive his career. And the line is... So Kurt Russell says, this is the film, Nebraska Jim." that might very well launch Rick's renaissance, with Dalton fitting into Sergio Corbucci's Rose Gallery of Antiheroes quite well. Sure, the whole thing was shot with a post-synced, every actor speaks their own language, Tower of Babel shooting style of European movies that Rick finds ridiculous. But Corbucci isn't the second best director of Spaghetti Westerns in the world by accident. So there's that whole Tower of Babel thing that's that whole post sync um vocals that are being put in, and the fact that so Sergio Cavucci is the other big uh spaghetti western director, and he had a film called Django that mm-hmm. was considered like if so this film was considered uh fistful was considered violent, but Django was considered so violent that like some places just wouldn't like some countries banned it. it was like banned mm-hmm. it was a banned movie um and interesting enough both of these films and I'm going to talk a little bit more about Fistful are based on Akira Kurosawa's uh samurai film Yojimbo which came out in uh, 1961 So I mean I think it's super interesting because like you've got these two Italian directors basically making the same kind of film and they're taking from the same subject matter or source you know what I mean mm-hmm. and Have you seen Yojimbo? I
0: haven't, no.
1: So Yojimbo is, in some points, I don't want to say it's like a shot for shot remake. It's more of, they have the same scenes. So for example, like, okay. So first off, uh, for those of you that haven't seen either Yojimbo or Fistful of Dollars, the basic premise is man shows up, there's two warring factions in a town and he basically plays them both off each other. Gets roughed up a bit, has some wisecracks, and, you know, basically rids the town of bad people. I think, would you say that's a pretty accurate summary? But he got paid. He got paid. And actually, <laughs> and they they both do. And so in this, he's the man with no name. And in Yojimbo, he's uh, a ronin who's just, like, cruising around. Um And I think the name he gives is he, like, looks out a window and he basically just describes what's out the window. And he's like, that name is his is is all that is, is good enough is all that matters or whatever are you talking uh, about clint eastwood or are they just, no that's in yojimbo Yo- like Yo- in Yo- the okay. original kurosawa film. i was gonna say in this one they kept on calling him joe and they call him joe in this <laughs> um but a lot of the shots are very similar so for example the film opens with uh clint eastwood getting water out of a well in um in yojimbo the samurai asks for a cup of water um a lot of the characters are the same the idiot brothers they're like it's, it's, so it's not a shot for shot remake, but a lot of the characters in the scenes are the same, including like the ending with the like long, like those long, long shots. Like your typical, um, quick draw. What what, what do you call those? Like when you like meet at the okay corral and you like the high noon, the like high the, noon standoff kind of thing. Yeah. Things. It's like the, yeah. yeah like, those like the quintals, draw. Yeah. 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 Those, uh, those quintessential scenes. <clears throat> Those quintessential scenes are also in Yojimbo, except it's like a samurai. And in that one, the opponent has a pistol. And in Fistful of Dollars, the whole line is when a man with a forty-five meets a man with the rifle, the man with the forty-five dies, right? Right. So it's it's really cool. And it's actually it's it's so much like Yojimbo that first off they, they thought they might get sued. They did get sued. I thought they did. They did yeah, get sued.
0: Reading about this, they did get sued, and then didn't they have to say it was like kind of added on or like a based on or something like that.
1: I don't know. Like I don't. In my notes, I don't have that they had to say anything, but they definitely gave fifteen percent of their global ticket sales and a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so Kurosawa actually said to them, he said, "That's a fine movie you've made, but it's my movie." <laughs> The, he's
0: like this Kurosawa. He's one director that I haven't dived deep on, yeah. But I want to. Like, he's on my list of directors I want to like. He movies does good I stuff, see. man. He does yeah.
1: good stuff, and he's and you see it in Fistful of Dollars. But Kurosawa, in a, like I've seen a couple of his samurai movies now. He always has... He, like, breaks tension with comedy. So, like, obviously, this is, like, a radio program, so you can't see, but, like, he'll have a samurai with, like, kind of, like, a screw face, and then he'll, like, stick his tongue out or something, be like, and just, like, break the tension, you know what I mean? Like, he knows how to, like, use comedy as a device, and you see it in... um Fistful of dollars as well. Yeah,
0: right? that was that's more the um, canteen guy was kind of the the comic relief, or no, comic relief was more the Undertaker. or the bell ringer
1: or the the casket maker yeah, or any was... of those guys. And all of those characters are in the original as well, except that the bell ringer is the like local police officer or whatever, right? Um, and he's basically trying to hustle the guy to give him some money. He, hey, if you go work for that gang. You give me basically a dollar or whatever because I kind of hooked you up or whatever, right? So <laughs> it's, it's good. Like I said, they, they made a really good remake of it. Um, I still would like to see uh, Kerbucci's Django because, again, it's supposedly, again, a version of uh, Yojimbo, but, like, super, 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 super violent. So that sounds super fun to me. Um, did uh, What did you like about this film? Well, I'll go with the, – there's two things I didn't like. Right. And okay. Like cool. Gone. Yeah. What did you not like? I didn't like that fucking kid. His voice was so fucking annoying. Did, did you ever think that the voice was being done like an adult, by an adult or something like that? It oh, just seemed it weird. was so, it, but it was like high pitched to an extreme
0: that it fucking hurt my ears when watching it. And then the other thing was, in terms of the soundtrack, where they would kind of cut the tension or whatever and it would it reminded me of like halloween when michael myers would come and be like Di-di! it was like little sh- like I, I just call it the shape sound because every yeah, yeah, time yeah. but it was like that thing just annoyed the fuck out of me
1: you didn't like that because it's it, are you talking about like the
0: it's like a sound effect kind of thing like it would be like regular music music and then all of a sudden it would be like Di-di! yeah 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 but that thing fucking annoyed the fuck out of me. I don't know if it was just the way I was watching it, if it was just my volume was too high, but that kid's voice, like I literally at the beginning when he started uh, the opening scene while, Clint's drinking the water and he's just running
1: from one house to the other and then running back crying. But I I was just like, just fucking hit his head. You know what I love is, and and this sounds so savage, but when like they come out and they're like bang, bang and they're shooting at the kid and like making him run across the street. I was like, oh my God, this
0: is a serious film, man. And then, yeah, and then the dad comes and grabs him and they're still shooting. (laughs) But at no point is the dad shielding his son from gunfire just picks him up and like, Carries them and then gets his ass kicked, right?
1: But. Okay, so those are things you didn't like. Mm-hmm. So did you just? Does that mean you just liked everything else? Um, pretty
0: much, yeah, I did actually. Like, and I think for me it was more, like, it hit me in terms of nostalgia, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. watching this brings back like. Being a kid on the couch with my grandfather watching this and then him speaking in Portuguese, like, oh, man, when I first watched this, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. Like, you wouldn't believe how many people, like, freaked out over all the people getting killed and stuff like that.
1: And it was that's why it was like. Well, I just think you probably wouldn't have well, you would not have seen anything like that in the theater. So you go in and it's actually, it's a really sensible length. It's under two hours. Not Mm. like some of his work that's like three, four hours long or whatever. So you sit down and like right off the bat, bang, 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 people getting shot. And you just, like you said, like even the way they're showing the violence is just like never been seen before. Right. Yeah.
0: That's what I think in terms of this, like these movies that we do go back, it's interesting, like hearing about like, the reaction then, like how many people thought or what the consensus of the movie was, right? And I think, in terms of the way it was shot and what people saw, is probably what also contributed to um, it being such a hit. As well as on that documentary I was watching, uh, Clint Eastwood talking about this movie saying they were cutting out dialogue. That his character was supposed to say, and he was just like, "My face will say it, right?" And Sergio's agreeing. He was like, "Your face will say it." So I guess there was the one scene, just before um, the army guys coming, and and the guy on the horse is is going to the canteen, and he like starts talking shit to Clint Eastwood, and he just takes a puff of his cigarette, looks at him and then just takes another puff of his cigarette and puts his head down. Like you're going to get fucked up. Yeah. 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 I guess there was dialogue there. And he was like, yeah, we were just like, he's like, I
1: did that. And he was like, we're just going to cut shit out. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's something like a great actor should be able to do where like the eyes, the tilt of the head, whatever, that taking off of a hat, you know, you, you convey a certain type of emotion um there was another actor that we were talking about that does that uh where he just basically cut a bunch of lines oh uh, um benicio, to be, benicio del toro and he's like cut that out cut that out cut that out i don't need those lines yeah. which is that's awesome like that's a, and clint pulls it off like 100 um so this film you usually have these kind of numbers did you look up how well this film did I know the budget was 200,000. Yeah, which which is about 1.7 million.
0: uh, In terms of actual box office, no, I actually did not look it up.
1: So the best I could find is the US Italy totals. And so it was made for 200,000 and it made 18.5 million. So in today's dollars, it was made for 1.7 million and it grossed $154 million. Like, that's amazing. Like, this guy basically took, like, he was a... I don't want to say that Leone was, like, a unknown director, but he hadn't done any... Like, he hadn't made that kind of money before. And then just, bam! Like, right out of the park, right? And so, no wonder they're like, yeah, man, just make whatever you want. You know what I mean? Well, the thing that's interesting, too, about this is during, the, during
0: this time, this is when the regular Westerns are starting to fade away. That's right. Right? Like, they're starting to go off and... And then you have this guy in Italy like,
1: I just think they did it wrong and I'm going to do it right. Yeah. Well, cause he made them more like real yeah, and like, like less just like good evil, this idea that there was like nuance, you have anti-heroes, you have violence. Like it, I think, you know, the, the genre was kind of becoming bland and boring or that's most of the... Most of the background I came up with, that's kind of what they were saying. So. Right,
0: and the the whole reason the Western was as prevalent as it was is because how cheap they were to make, right? That's why they're, like, choning them out. Like so, crazy. yeah,
1: this would be, like, a Blumhouse picture. You know what I mean? Buy it cheap
0: yeah. and
1: just, like, make a bazillion dollars off of it. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it definitely would be. So, do you have a... Um, do you have any scenes that you specifically like... Is there anything about the way this film is made that you thought was, like, really interesting? Yeah,
0: like I said, I like the cinematography. I like his camera angles. I also like the thing, and, um, and I can't remember if it was done before, but was in terms of when you have the shootouts, how he would kind of zoom in close and you would see their faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would hear the gunshots, but you hear their faces kind of, like, like, either whether they're shooting the gun or
1: you don't – it's just – all in the face, like, oh my God, like, I So he's, he, one of the things that he's known for is those really well-lit close-ups and extreme close-ups, right? Um, almost, they're referred to as almost like a portrait, right? And you can just see everything happening on the face. That and the long shot, right? So you're way, way, way back and you get all this perspective and then like pushing in hard, like you said, like during a gunfight mm-hmm. or something like that. And I, it looks beautiful and it's scored really well Is like you know he used the same and i have a really great story about so his composer is a guy named and i'm gonna butcher this but it's like enyo marconi enyo marconi
0: i think i think what we should do is just change the name of this podcast to how do you like this movie to how we butchered your name Because if you if you're
1: a famous composer, director, <laughs> writer, we 100% did not get your name right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so this this composer Marconi, he's he's worked on all Sergio's pictures, he's worked on all like almost all the spaghetti western stuff. He um, got a, you know, not he got academy nominations for like The Untouchables and Bug, uh, Bugsy and stuff like that. So he's like the man right? He is the man. And so Quentin Tarantino gets him to work on Hateful Eight. And he wins an Oscar, right? And the funny part, I'm just going to pause there. So in watching a video before this, I'm watching Tarantino. He's at the 50th anniversary of uh, Fistful of Dollars. And he's basically like filleting this guy, right? Like he's not there, but he's just going on and on. He's going going on about Leone and he's going on about this composer and how fantastic he is. So then he goes and wins this Oscar for Quentin Tarantino's film and he basically refers to Tarantino as a Cretan. He said he was like "horrible, hold on, let me let me see if I can grab the quote here because he's basically like Quentin Tarantino's a Cretan and called his films trash." He basically just, like, he's not a director, he's not prepared, he's absolutely chaotic. And so, like, this guy that Tarantino is, like, super stoked about working with, who's, like, revered his whole, like... Film watching life gets him to work on his phone, which gets this guy an Academy Award. And he's like, fuck you, Quentin Tarantino. You are shit. You're no Hitchcock. And he also then goes on to just trash the Oscars as being a bunch of bullshit. And this is, and he's 90 years old at this point. Just savages the Oscars. He's like, I don't give a fuck if I ever come back to the United States because this is all garbage and you're all like pompous trash. So yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah.
0: See, I was going to say like, are you sure? They weren't just like, it was all said in just, you know, just like a little playful kind of thing. No, man. Now this now is like, like a
1: variety article. And some of those were direct quotes from the composer.
0: <laughs> I thought well, it was awesome. That's the thing. When you, when you get to a certain age, right?
1: You just don't give a fuck. <laughs> you just can well, say I mean, whatever you can. Well, and want. once you've done that kind of body of work, it's like, fuck you. Don't hire me. I don't care. Oh, yeah, of course you're going to hire me because I'm amazing at what I do. So he's the guy that composed the, like, that quintessential, you know, the good bit, What is that? Like, Woah, 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 whoa, Like, that's him. Yeah, that good, the bad the, the bad, the ugly sound, that's yeah. this guy. You know what I mean? This
0: one was more like, it kind of reminded me, like, a, a rawhide or it's like, do do bird? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. So what's your favorite scene? Okay, my favorite scene. Is when he punches the lady in the head. Oh, shit. That was hilarious. Because it, it came out of nowhere. It did come out of nowhere. And he's just like, bam! <laughs> Knocks her, like, right the fuck out, too. And then carries her, tries to dab the water to wake
1: her up, and then just puts her in the other lady's bed. And he... What's he do? He gets paid. Yeah. He gets paid. Um, I love the ending of that this film. Like, the the standoff where... Okay, this is a big spoiler, so... Really? This seriously? This is a spoiler. Okay. Anyway, so he's got there, but <laughs> the he's got the we're fucking older than you, and yeah. you're saying spoiler. Um, well, sometimes people haven't seen this stuff. Um, so he, you know, he shows up. He uses the dynamite. He blows up all the buildings. Buddy gets out the Winchester. Bang! He doesn't go down. Bang! 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 And he keeps walking. He's just taunting him, taunting him, gotta, taunting him. You gotta
0: shoot the heart, Ramon. Yeah, and he's if like, you don't give, yeah, he's giving
1: his own words back. And then he like throws back his cloak, and he's got the breastplate there. And he pulls it off so you can see that he he hit them all in the heart, but he didn't go, you know, he couldn't get through the steel. He shoots all the guys. He's got one bullet left. He could shoot them. He shoots the rope so the buddy can get down. And then he's basically like, it becomes like, can you load faster than me? And then go. Well, you forget he throws the gun to the floor. That's right.
0: Right. To make it even because they both have to reach. Right. And that was him kind of throwing his own, his own um, quote back to him about the 45 and the rifle because oh. the 45 was quicker to load than a rifle would be.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's but, just such a badass move. Like it's just a like, look how big my fucking cock is. You know what I mean? Now, question
0: for you though. Um, I'm not a gun enthusiast. I don't know. So a Winchester
1: rifle that he had. Mm-hmm. How many bullets does it hold? Cause you know, I thought
0: it was like almost in Rambo
1: style where. The, uh, well, bucking... No, it can, it can, it can hold a few. I, I would have to actually go back and check. I think he only probably had like four or five shots in it. So there's like a tube underneath. So again, I'm, I would have to look this information up, but it does carry a couple. And then there would be the one in the chamber. So it, it could be realistic. Um, it's not, I mean, he did run out of ammo, so yeah. it's not like he was just like, bang, 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 bang. But Rambo also runs out of ammo close to the end of the movie too. This is, this is true. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, um, so would you recommend this movie? I would. Who would you recommend it to? Anybody, really. I think in terms
0: of action, in terms of story, because it does hold you, right? Like it does hold you, even though it is like a shit ton older but any film enthusiast would like this as well and i think anybody that's just looking for good two hours to have a nice little popcorn film would would enjoy this
1: would you let your kids watch it
0: yes i wanted to i wanted to let my kid watch this and i even which which
1: age group would you let your kids watch this well
0: my youngest son he well yeah my youngest my son he is Oh, my God. Really? You got to think about that? I got to think about it. Holy shit. 2011. So he's nine. Yeah. He'll be nine in November. And I told him, I'm like, listen, we're going to watch this movie. And then he saw the the um, synopsis on... Um, IMDb? Yes. Which was literally the most violent movie ever made.
1: Or... Her. I'll just. Or read one, it right one of the one of the most violent, right?
0: Yeah, the iconic man with no name, a tough gunslinger, manipulates rival families warring over a small frontier town. Stylish, violent film it was the first spaghetti western hit and made Clint Eastwood a star. That it did. So I, I told him, I'm like, buddy, you're gonna want to watch this, and he's like, why? It says it's super violent.
1: I'm like, you're gonna laugh. yeah you're gonna be like what super violent in 1964 is very different than what super violent is so
0: i want but he went to bed
1: he was tired because you know
0: school's starting and everything so i was being a good parent that day but yeah i would let him watch this because in reality i was probably his age sitting down with my grandfather watching this movie right
1: yeah and i i would agree with you i think that it's a fun movie if you haven't seen it definitely go watch it if you like westerns and you haven't seen it That'll be odd because, I mean... But yeah, I mean, if you've always bought, like watched like 90s plus movies uh, of Westerns, definitely go back and watch this stuff because it's good. And you can see where the genre came from. Um, and obviously, if you're like a cinephile, you're going to love it because Well, it's, I wouldn't
0: say you would see where the genre came from because the genre was, bef- was made before this. Well, but no, what I'm referring to is the
1: fact it. that some of the stuff we have currently in the Western genre, you can see where it comes from in the 60s styles, westerns. Okay. So anyway, that's all I've got, and then if you've got anything else, and then if you want to kind of tell people how to get a hold of us.
0: Well, I do got something else. I got two things actually.
1: Hit me Just, with your best, Scott.
0: But first question, because we had this debate before, but we can put it on here so that way people can get a hold of us to see what their opinion. Is Unforgiven an unsanctioned sequel to this trilogy? Is it the same character coming out of retirement? I said yes. You said no.
1: So I said no because it's William Money. It's a totally different dude. But But he's the man with no name. He's not the man with no name. He literally has a name and it's William Money.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about in this trilogy he's the man with no name So you're
1: saying like the man who with no name but that's his name like that's like Exactly he retired now So this is this is definitely a question that anybody who's listening give us your feedback I'm going to say no but I'm open to being convinced What's your other thing? You said you had two things. You said you had one thing to end this with about uh, I already I, I already did that that was my my I already did my anecdote Um the one thing I do want to bring up though is so Scott and I do have this kind of running discussion on trilogies. And is there any that do all three movies good? And I, I wanted to know if there's a caveat for that. Does Lord of the Rings count in that because it was written as three books? Is it it's technically a trilogy, I guess. Well, it's right? three movies. It was just okay, just okay, so movie of, was three hours So Lord of long. the Rings is in this. Um when you email us or hit us up on Twitter or however you get a hold of us, give us your Feedback on what are great trilogies and do any trilogies get all three films right? Well,
0: since we're on this film, I would say this trilogy does with the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: I'm, I'm going to reserve my answer to that until I go and like rewatch the other two. But I, I think you are right. But I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to reserve my position on that. All right, well, that's our ramp for the day.
0: If you like what you heard, or even if you didn't, subscribe to this podcast and we'll try to get better every time. So if you want to express your opinion or answer Chris's question, we can be reached on Twitter at how You Like That One or email at you like that movie at gmail.com.
1: Production by Rod Shaver. Vader Monkey Productions.